0: Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Okay, welcome to Mission
1: Supercritical, and radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thank you for joining us. Today's guest, we have John Nemeth. He's the CEO of THC Alaska, and you guys are operating out of Juneau. Uh, John, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, so uh, Alaska, let's uh, John. I want to talk about your your company first here. So you're the uh, you're the CEO, president of uh, THC Alaska, but that's actually got uh, several different companies underneath it. Tell me about the uh, the different company structure you got.
2: Yeah, so THC Alaska is made up of our concentrates company, uh, which uses your supercritical CO two extractor, Top Hat concentrates. We also have a cultivation company, Top Hat Cannabis, and uh, we're working on getting our retail store open. Top Hat Collective. So overall, we're obviously the acronym for all of them is THC. So the the brand is THC Alaska.
1: Right, I like it. That's it's, uh, super creative. I, I like the way you guys did the uh, the THC and got the different uh, different verticals through the through the thing there. So John, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, what's sure. your uh, what's your background? A lot of people didn't start in the cannabis industry, myself included. But you know, what what'd you do before cannabis, and then how'd you find yourself transitioning into it?
2: Uh, Well, before cannabis, I was involved in uh, construction project management. Uh, I've lived all over uh, the United States uh, from Michigan originally and then uh, Phoenix is where I spent a huge majority of my time. Um, I started flipping homes from a young age and then uh, that brought me into the commercial real estate game uh, where I eventually got involved with building uh, restaurant groups um, and built restaurant groups around the Midwest and then that's what brought me to Phoenix. And then I came to Alaska almost five years ago uh, for my now uh, husband. And um, we were only supposed to be here a short period of time. And then uh, Tracy LaBarge, our company's uh, secretary treasurer, and I met, and she wanted help with a restaurant group. And I, at that time, wasn't really interested in pursuing restaurants any longer. And she said, well, how do you feel about cannabis? I said, I've used it my whole life, and I certainly (laughs) believe (laughs) I believe in the movement, and it was always something I was passionate about. Friends of mine have been using it uh, medicinally around the country, and I was, uh, you know, fighting for it in Arizona when they decided to finally get uh, medical on the ballot. And uh, I was definitely excited that it was legal here in Alaska, and it just kind of snowballed from there. She introduced me to uh, our company's founders, Ben and Lacey Wilcox, uh, who were... uh, worked very, very hard uh, for most of their lives here to uh, get legalization passed. Lacey herself worked for uh, the governor and uh, five governors before uh, and was a huge part in writing our state's uh, regulations themselves. Uh, So together, we kind of formed this wonderful uh, group of people that all brought different things to the table and really uh, helped us succeed statewide.
1: Right, right. And in Michigan and Arizona were, you know, they were some of the early medical states. Were you a patient in those states as well, or was that, uh, was that before even then?
2: Um, I was in Arizona. Um, okay. I had my card there just so I could purchase legally. I wanted to take, you know, it was kind of one of those moral dilemmas I had. Uh, I wanted to consume the product, but I didn't want the money to go where it goes on the black market uh, more times than not. Um, even though I was friends with a lot of those folks on the black market and most of them, you know, they were good people, but where their money went, they were not such good people. So, um, I really wanted to help, uh, you know, be a supporting person of the legal industry and got my card and, uh, it was just great to be able to go into a store and purchase cannabis and not have to deal with the old school methods. But, um, yeah. Right. And
1: so, so, and so you you spent some time doing construction and and you know as a uh, introduced the patient you know the patient side of cannabis, um, you know and, and and a consumer, you know. So you moved to Alaska. You know you you uh, you, you got you got duped into uh, moving to Alaska for a short period of time. Get stuck there for five years. And you know how did you make the transition into the industry? Right. You you found uh, you found. Uh, ben and Lacey, right? And she got Tracy there to help you. And all of a sudden, you're the CEO of a cannabis company, right? How How did that transition happen?
2: Um, well, with uh, the help of finding the right people. Um, so uh, our head grower Naomi Ham, has been growing cannabis for you know, most of her life. She's from the Emerald Triangle. And she'd lived up here. She moved here about the same time I did and uh, worked for Tracy in the restaurant group. And she kind of I approached her about uh, growing, and she's been uh, a key piece in helping all of this happen. And then I've worked with various consultants uh, around the country and people who, and tried to mirror the people who were doing things really well uh, around the country within this industry, and uh, gained, uh, put myself through uh, cannabis uh, PhD studies uh, (laughs) over the last several years, and um, really just mirrored people who have been doing things well, Um, and it just all came together.
1: Great, great, and so now, you know, Top Hat concentrates is the the extraction arm, and you know you've got the the cultivation side, you've got the extraction and the concentrate business there, um, and then you know the dispensing side of it there, um, you know, with the with the collective. So, is is Alaska required to be vertical, or do you just uh, are you just positioned where you've got three separate licenses?
2: No, uh, it just seemed very beneficial. Um, you know, we looked at other states, and uh, I kind of feel. Uh, bad for those states that don't allow for vertical integration uh, primarily due to tax reasons on the federal level uh, it really helps us to have um, both the cannabis and the concentrates company as wholesale companies and then um, having the retail company uh, as far as our structure goes uh, and the way taxes work uh, really is beneficial
1: Right, so so being vertically operate vertically integrated allows you to uh, to have a significantly lower hit on the uh, on the 280e taxes. Um, yeah, that's a that's an interesting approach. But is it is it three is it indeed three separate licenses through Alaska, or is it all under one license?
2: It is. Uh, Alaska has three separate licenses you have to apply for. Uh, there's two types of cultivation license that we have in Alaska, which is kind of cool, uh, allowing for a limited grow, and it also uh, so folks who have homes and Property that want to grow in a shed, let's say, are able to do that and bring a more boutique small grow cannabis to market um, and also have a retirement job if they choose to do it that way. And then we have two different types of concentrate license as well, the full product manufacturing which we have that allows us to make edibles and concentrates, and then there's just a strict cannabis, or uh, excuse me, a concentrate license as well, uh, and those companies can only produce concentrates and extracts. Okay. But you're allowed
1: to wholesale across the uh, across the board there. So uh, give me a give me a little bit of a feel for the size of, of Alaska's market. You know I'm, I'm from Ohio and and uh, you know probably not as aware of I should be. But how you know Alaska's a huge state but fairly low population. Does that make it harder or is it easier? How big's the how big's the patient count up there?
2: Uh, we have Alaska is an extremely interesting place to do business, especially within this industry. Um, so yes, like you said, it is huge. Uh, we're almost the size of the continental United States. So moving product is interesting, and we can get into that if you want. But um, you know, Alaska has around 800,000 residents, and uh, at in 2014, I believe I read an article that uh, CBS had put together that uh, Alaska had the largest per capita of cannabis consumers at over 16% of the estimated legal age. Um, and if you know anything about Alaska, Alaskans are consider themselves very independent and don't usually talk about their business. So the fact that they were able to get 16% of people to say that is something. So I would take that number and triple it, oh, yeah, right, <laughs> or even quadruple it. And so it has it's a smaller market, but it's a very hungry market, and we also see a ton of tourism here uh, within Juneau, particularly, but around the state in general because Alaska is just a great place to come to
1: right and and you know obviously there's some seasonality to that I would I would imagine as well it's uh that probably makes running the business even that much more difficult
2: oh yes uh definitely but it seems as though so far statistics on tourism to local purchases uh it's only it's the local market is still making up the majority um I'm seeing a stat here that there was 1250 pounds of flour sold in June roughly that total yeah, that's just homes. the month of June and yeah, that's okay. just flour so that doesn't include trim or concentrates or edibles
1: right right okay um, so, so yeah so interesting so it's a, it's a certainly a small market but you know a very very large percentage of users um, yeah that's uh that is that is interesting so I guess you know you, you mentioned something I didn't consider about the transportation challenges you know I assume most of the population is kind of centered around some of the some of the larger cities and the rest of it becomes very very sparse um, do you does that help the transportation, or what? What is the challenge that you see there?
2: Um, there are endless uh, challenges, uh, especially with Juno being landlocked. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of option other than uh, air or sea. Uh, and I'm going to be very vague in how what I say right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're not we're not breaking any state laws or anything that uh, <laughs> we're not breaking any laws technically. Um, but uh, we're not doing anything that. Uh, against what the state allows for our license, and we're not doing anything what the state laws allow for cannabis in general. Um, But it is very interesting, uh, the challenges we've had to overcome um, in setting up distribution networks and partnering with uh, other cannabis companies within uh, the Anchorage area that help us distribute our products so that we don't Mm -hmm. have to do that and take on that challenge on our own. And they also act as a central hub for uh, retail stores to come and pick up our products from them directly so that we don't have to travel the thousands of miles around the state to um, right. make all
1: happen. Right. Right, and I, I would imagine, you know, without uh, without opening any uh, any Pandora's boxes here, there's probably some air travel and uh, some boat travel that uh, probably start to to create some some fundamental issues there. But um, you know, yeah. we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, I want to uh, I want to talk about technology. I want to talk about you know CO2 extraction, why you guys do CO2 extraction, and if there's any other methods you're looking into or uh, or, or currently using, and you know, kind of dig into a little bit why you chose CO2. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk. Talk about
0: that We'll regroup for more mission supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. In as little as four weeks, bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four week build excludes high production systems. Friday night,
3: August 25th, CannabisRadio.com and the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo invite you aboard the hottest party of the summer. Burn like a baller and party like a player at high tide. An exclusive VIP experience aboard a luxurious $40 million mega yacht sailing along the intercoastal and all points in between. High Tide is destined to be the can't-miss nighttime networking event for anyone active in the cannabis space. Don't miss the boat. Tickets are going fast. RSVP now at USCCxpo.com and search for Mega Yacht Party. That's USccxpo.com. and search for Mega Yacht Party.
4: 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is just days away. August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Register now at usccexpo.com. Don't miss out on a jam-packed weekend of education, speed networking, powerful keynotes, plus our can't-miss networking mega yacht event, High Tide. You still have time to join us in Miami August 24th through the 26th for the 2018 United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. Don't miss out. Log on to usccexpo.com and register now.
0: Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay,
1: welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, today's guest, John Nemeth, CEO of Top Hat Concentrates and or THC Alaska. So we're, we're talking the concentrate side of it here, John. You know, you, you've been an Apex customer for I think it's about two years now, maybe maybe a little bit longer. It, uh, does that sound about right?
2: Yep. Uh, we started operating about a year ago, but we bought our machine uh, almost two years ago now, our first machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was actually one of our very smallest ones, a 1500 one-liter system.
2: Uh, yeah, that little tabletop guy. I tell you, yeah. we put 7,500 hours on that thing in a year.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's fantastic, right? I mean, that uh, thing's running at, at 7,500 hours in a year. That's almost 24-7. Uh, yep, and that's uh, that's fantastic you know that's really what it was designed for was kind of a it's a startup unit to allow you to to run it's not very efficient but it you know it does run extracts and allow you to, to kind of create the business and you recently just stepped up to a, a newer system right or i-2000
2: that's correct I have a, an electrician on the other side of the wall for me right now uh, who is uh, getting ready to wire that system up we always uh, plan for the system so we have the wiring in place um so luckily that's uh, not too hard of a job, but it's happening right now.
1: Great, great, yeah. And that's uh you know, obviously we're we're thrilled to have you guys as a customer and thrilled you're able to utilize our, our trade up program. Um, which you guys didn't actually utilize, right? You guys kept the one leader and and uh no. just yeah, just we're holding
2: her. on we're holding on to her. Uh we may end up donating that to the college one day or doing something useful with it, uh that helps uh others g- uh gain a greater understanding of the process. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's uh that's great. You know, it, it uh uh, that that system was designed for almost identically what you guys are talking here. You allow, allow companies to start up the process. So, but you know, that's the extraction. Tell me about the rest of your product line, you know, so extraction is only the first step. Give me some of your products and, and, you know, tell me, talk me through kind of the technology of, of your product manufacturing processes.
2: Uh, well, first and foremost, um, our main product that we focused on is making amazing oil. Um, our oil actually just won, uh, first place, uh, best concentrate in the uh, Northwest Cannabis Classic, uh, and we're going, we're competing with the same oil in a C-cell cartridge in the High Times Cannabis Cup uh, tomorrow, actually. Um, So we're, fingers crossed, we uh, take that one home as well. Um, But that's been our primary goal, is to create great oil. We want people to be connected to the plant um, and only the plant. Uh, We feel, and that's why we chose CO2 in the first place. We wanted something that didn't leave behind any hydrocarbons or anything negative uh, in the oil, uh, as we were trying very hard to keep it pure. So we process primarily strain specific um, to keep people connected to the plant. We don't add additional glycols uh, uh, or terpenes uh, or cutting agents of any kind. Um, we give the people what the pe- uh, what the plant provides uh, in both the cannabinoid profile and terpene profile. Um, okay. So that. That is our primary product, and then with that we uh, we co-brand. And our goal is to you know bring the little guy into the table. So we have a lot of growers. We have a grower that grows in a, in a little town called Skagway uh, out of a container, a shipping container. We have another uh, grower who grows out of it's a very uh, Walter. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this a Walter White situation where it's a normal <laughs> quiet cul-de-sac and uh, it's just a normal family home uh, that they were able to get licensed as a limited grow and they grow in their basement, and their office is their bedroom, which is the restricted access area, so their children aren't allowed in their bedroom. It's, uh, it was a really wild experience, but there's the wonderful people and people that never thought they were going to see their flower in a concentrate form. Uh, so we offer co-branding on all of our uh, concentrate products uh, to represent those growers, and it's uh, for one particularly, it's gotten them into five new stores in the last month. Um, so we really are trying to help the little guy grow and uh, do what this industry and the people that were really passionate about this industry in the state of Alaska wanted to do from the beginning. Right, um,
1: and the, the co-branding—that's it's almost a wholesale or, or what I would call sometimes a white label situation, right? Where you're 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 providing the extraction service using the equipment, and then putting it into you know a package or a mechanism or, or whatever a delivery mechanism, whatever it might be. Under that customers, under your customers label, is that? Am I yep. understanding that correctly?
2: Yeah. Yep. and we handle the sale and distribution of them too. So they're just they're getting the marketing out of the flower that they grew.
1: Okay. Okay. Great. Great. So so you got uh you know oils that you're doing you're doing the white labeling and the co-branding. Uh, are are edibles or uh, or are those kind of products allowed in Alaska?
2: Yes. So we have uh, the first dip into that was actually a personal lubricant uh that we call Bear Spray. Uh, bear spray in Alaska is normally a fire extinguisher sized uh, can of pepper spray that folks carry into the woods with them to protect themselves <laughs> against bears while they're camping. Yep. Um, so this is a B-A-R-E spray um, that is a massage oil or personal lubricant uh, that we manufacture in partnership with another company here in Anchorage. Um, and then we have another spray called Magical Mist which is a tongue tonic uh, or breath spray. Uh, that comes in um, uh, multiple flavors and um, up to our states allowed maximum of 50 milligrams of THC per bottle. We also do a uh, high CBD with a strain uh, mango haze CBD that we grow here on site that is 150 milligrams of CBD to 50 milligrams of THC and that one is turning out to be the most popular. Um, and then we have our new cookie just hit the market last week actually, uh, Stoned Age Cannaroons, um, and those are a, macro, a variation of a macaroon. Uh, they're vegan, paleo, gluten-free, um, low glycemic, and raw. Uh, so they hit all those buzz, hit on all those buzzwords. And really, that was, I I don't want to eat gummy bears. I don't want to, you know. And us as a company, we want to eat things that are healthier. Um, in the edibles game and so we thought by bringing something like this to market it would give people who want to consume cannabis uh, in a healthy form a way to do it. Um,
1: right, right and and so you know I'm guessing that you use the extracted oil and, and you know as part of your bear spray and your magical mist um, you know the extracted oil is obviously a part of that what, what kind of secondary processing do you guys typically employ uh, once the CO2 extraction is done.
2: Uh, once we, we extract them, we just go through the alcohol winterization process. Uh, I found a great source for 200 proof organic uh, alcohol. Uh, we don't use anything, we don't spare any expense when it comes to that part either. Um, and then we use the raw oil for everything. We don't do any further distillation. Um, we haven't got involved with fractional distillation at all yet. Um, so we're just using the raw oil uh, for our cartridges and as well as all the edible products. So you still get the you still are getting the full spectrum of terpenes and cannabinoids,
1: and and one of the one of the benefits of the Apex supercritical systems is the fact that it has cold separation, right, and gives you the ability to capture terpenes. Right? Tell right. me a little bit about your terpenes.
2: We are really excited uh, with the smaller tabletop unit. We were unable to do that, uh, so we're really excited to do that with our new machine. Um, we're seeing terpene levels uh, with our process in the four to even ten percent range. Uh, currently. So we're really excited to be able to bleed off those terpenes earlier in the process and reintroduce them uh, after the winterization process to really uh, hopefully boost those terpenes above 10% would be outstanding. Um, Right. As we we all know, the entourage effect is key. It's not THC that people should be chasing. It should be full spectrum cannabinoids and really high terpene content. Right, Um, right.
1: And and do you do you see you know kind of that trend in Alaska being more towards the the, the full spectrum extracts and and the entourage effects or do you um, unfortunately
2: you not yet I mean Alaska just like every state everyone you know was about flower and um, it was kind of uh, the accidental fault of our board that you know almost made it what people to think that high THC means a higher high and a bigger high and a longer high and as us uh, experts know it's just not true. Um, so, right now, the industry is fighting a battle where people are coming in and they're just going, give me the cheapest and the highest THC. And that is something we're trying to steer people away from. And our branding itself is doing that. If something has a high CBG content or THCV or high terpene, we tout that on the packaging itself to draw, you know, what does this mean? And to raise the question with the consumer and the bud tender um, and drive them towards. You know ultimately getting a better effect rather than a you know a bigger THC high
1: right and it, and it seems like uh, you know one one or two uh, um, you know uh, one or two experiences <laughs> with a 50 milligram cookie or something along those lines would certainly steer somebody in the opposite direction pretty quickly And you know, then right. uh, I would I would imagine it's only a matter of time before everybody starts to come around on that you certainly see it in, in Colorado and, and uh, even if PSA is talking about having you know go slow start slow, go slow, you know, kind of PSA advertisements and stuff. So um, it's interesting that uh, you know, even in Alaska, you see the same trend, even though it's it's so much further away and so much more remote, um, how, how much it parallels, I suppose, to Colorado, California, yeah. things like that. Um, we're going to take a uh, – John, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about – I want to continue to talk about some of the challenges you have in, in Alaska. One, because it's a small market and, and not a lot of people, but two – um, because it's remote, you know, how, how do you get equipment? How do you, you know, is power a problem? I want to I dig into some of that stuff. So let's take a quick mm-hmm. break. And we'll come
0: back and, and talk about that. We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors.
3: Join us in Anaheim, California, this October 22nd and 23rd at NCIA and CCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference. With 60,000 square feet of expo floor, over 3,000 cannabis business leaders, and over 100 thought leaders and policymakers, the California Cannabis Business Conference is the place to learn how to navigate the world's largest adult use market. Register today at www.CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. Retail sales of medical and recreational cannabis in the United States are expected to hit $8 to $10 billion. Are you ready to invest in the fastest growing business sector in America? Then you have to check out the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. Open to the public. This two-day conference will focus a wide range of sectors, including health care, law, politics, sports, and numerous investment opportunities for entrepreneurs and startups. Hundreds of exhibitors will showcase their products and services to medical patients, caregivers, mainstream consumers, and business-to-business professionals. Join us as we merge business, education, and entertainment with thousands of attendees at the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, October 4th through the 6th. For more information, go to
4: usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Do you have new ideas that you believe will make a difference in the cannabis industry? Looking to make your brand or service stand out? The first annual United States Cannabis Conference and Expo is seeking sponsors and speakers for its inaugural event, August 24th through the 26th at the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. Cannabis business professionals, medical cannabis caregivers and clinicians, growers and dispensary owners are all welcome to join us for this brand new event sponsored by the radio and podcast leader for all things cannabis, CannabisRadio.com. Grow with us in this groundbreaking event the first annual united states cannabis conference and expo august 24th through the 26th at the hyatt regency in downtown miami learn more at usccexpo.com time
0: to extract more knowledge on mission supercritical only on cannabisradio.com
1: okay welcome back to mission supercritical today's guest john nemeth ceo of thc alaska john we talked a little bit about your background you know you spent some time in michigan arizona uh, moved finally to Alaska and I, I it sounded like me like you got bamboozled but maybe that uh, wasn't so much the case um, been in Alaska for five years and now you're the CEO of, of Top Hat concentrates you know Alaska is, is beautiful it's amazing um, and it's also cold and and kind of isolate sometimes um, you know what are some of the challenges you run into that are Alaska specific operating the cannabis industry
2: uh, well like you said shipping is definitely one of those things you um, my husband owns a design and uh, construction firm, uh, so he uh, understands that very well, and I get to hear his uh, troubles with it every day. Um, right, and that's, with, that's,
1: not just, that's not just shipping around Alaska, that's also getting stuff from, you know, mainland USA or, or anywhere right. else for that matter, up to right. Alaska, right?
2: So essentially, everything has to go to Seattle, for Juneau at least. We don't have any roads that run to Juneau, you can only get here by sea or um, air.
1: Mm-hmm. So everything,
2: everything starts its journey to Alaska and Seattle and then uh, is barged here from Alaska marine mines. So you can count on every project you do here to add on about anywhere from 10 to 15% just in shipping cost alone, uh, not to mention that the fact that goods are typically more expensive here to purchase. Um, so then you, you're also on your lead time, you're also adding anywhere from a week to you know 14, sometimes 21 days on your shipping time depending on the barge schedule. Um, so it definitely creates a interesting timeline for things
1: right so everything's slower harder to get and obviously more expensive as a result does does it affect you know is is power stable is you know did, does the environmental condition being super cold or you know the the daylight schedule does any of that stuff affect the both the, the growing operation or the extraction operation?
2: Juno itself is a pretty cool place um, we have a really high focus on sustainability and green energy um, and Juno gets all of its power from hydroelectric. So we're kind of off the grid as a whole community, almost. And then uh, we have diesel backup power if uh, avalanches happen to take out the uh, the power supply chain in any way. So we always have backup. And all of our power is already from a renewable source, which is just water falling down the mountain. Um, <laughs> So that's pretty cool. I feel a lot better about doing indoor farming because I'm a a big proponent of outdoor farming whenever possible, which actually they're able to do in in, in, all places uh, as far north as uh, Fairbanks, uh, which is just wild. We're all the way down here in Southeast Alaska. Our our weather is very temperate. Uh, We stay in the 30s to 40s most of the year and get a lot of rain. Um, But Fairbanks, even though they're 900 miles uh, north of us, uh, in the summertime, they hit 80, 85 degrees on average uh, in the midsummer months. So there's a and it's very flat there. So there's a ton of outdoor growing that takes place uh, in that part of the state. And Anchorage is kind of more of a seasonal uh, climate, uh, like you would see in the lower 48. But and obviously having the longer grow time in the summer uh, is great for outdoor growing as well, uh, since you get those longer days really put weight on the plants, and then fall hits fast. Um, so the flowering process. Uh, moves along pretty quickly, and they've been very successful with outdoor growing up there. Interesting,
1: yeah, that's interesting. And and uh, so having spent some time in in uh, in other places, do you see a difference? It, it's going to sound like a crazy question, but is, do you see a difference in the extracted oils coming from plants that are grown in Alaska versus someplace like California or Colorado?
2: Um, yeah. Uh, definitely most of the folks here are using butane extractions or alcohol extractions there's some new co2 processors coming online over the last few months and uh, upcoming months but uh, Alaska in general seems to want to keep people connected to the plant and I still see a lot of uh, adulterate uh, altered products down south Um, and a lot of uh, the fractional distillation and just chasing that getting that THC into the 90% range and uh, Really, a lot of folks that are trying to perpetuate what I see as a uh, you know a false lead, um, you know, trying to make people chase that high THC, which kind of frustrates me. Um, I'd rather see the full spectrum uh, profiles like we provide.
1: Right, exactly, and I think you know that that trend really seems to be um, taking hold across the whole country. Um, you know, yeah. it is frustrating for sure, but you know, I, I, as we do mission supercritical. Um, shows and with different customers, that that comment that you made there is really a pretty common trend that we see across you know most states and and most of our operators that generally the people who have adopted CO2 or embraced CO2 as an extraction technology are really trying to provide a full spectrum extract to allow both recreational and medical um, consumers the opportunity to have the entourage effect and benefit from it in, in multiple ways um, you know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of folks who are doing CO2 and then ultimately going to distill it um, because you know it, uh, ethanol or something like that is a little bit faster so you know it's uh, definitely a trend that we're, we're seeing in that direction. Um, right. John john i want you uh i wanted to give you a second here um if somebody wanted to find thc alaska products right top hat concentrates or your bear spray magical mist where might they find them can they go to a dispensary it's it's recreational right so you have tourism people can go there are the dispensaries in, in juneau or do you got to go someplace else
2: yeah we have um we have three four dispensaries here in juneau now uh we're available at. Uh, those locations uh, all of those products and then uh, we're in 28 total stores around the state from all as far north as Fairbanks and even we just got into Nome Alaska which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that is but it's the far western side of the state uh, where maybe you could actually see Russia from your house Oh wow! <laughs> and um, and uh, all over the Anchorage Bowl area and then down into the Kenai Peninsula which is kind of south of Anchorage and uh, kind of where the Aleutian Islands start to poke their way further west um, so we're all over the state
1: and, and, and have, uh, have companies set up um, kind of the, the tours the cannabis tours like you see in Colorado up there in Alaska as well or are, the, are the cruise ships doing cannabis there's, tours? Been,
2: there's been a lot more talk than there has action in that regard um, but there are people that are doing it and the cruise ships because they're on federal water are sort of opposed to cannabis in general being uh, transported on their boats so they're not supporting any of those tours as of yet. Um, I don't I I can't see those being sold on boats for a long time or until federal uh, laws change. But Trust me, they'll get in on it as soon as they
1: can. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I can't imagine they're doing too many shakedowns of uh, people getting back onto the uh, the cruise ships there. But I don't know. I suppose it, it could possibly uh, possibly happen there. So, John, un- unfortunately, we're uh, we're out of time. But um, before we go real fast, how would somebody go about getting a hold of you if they wanted to talk about uh, you know the Alaska concentrate market or or maybe teaming up with you? What's your what's your con- what's the best way to contact you?
2: Uh, Email is probably the best way, which is going to be John J O H N at THC Alaska.com uh, We're working on our webpage right now which will have all, a lot more great information. Um, we're all wearing a lot of hats around here and that's one thing that we've unfortunately slacked on so we're, we're working on getting that up and running which will have a lot of the information we talked about today up in here in a, a few weeks and um,
1: yeah, well, and th- what's, uh, what's the address? What's the, I realize it's not up yet but what's the web address once you get it up?
2: It is uh, THC Alaska.com and there is still a way you can sign up to uh, get more information on that web page right now. And my phone number is also listed on there, too. Perfect.
1: Perfect. Okay. John, I appreciate your time today and, uh, you know, Top Hat Concentrates. THC Alaska, I still love the, uh, the the play on the on the words there. I mean, that's fantastic. But uh, thanks for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. For everybody else out there, look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn more about Apex Supercriticals 500+. plus customers operating in the cannabis industry. Hope you can join us and until then, happy stretch.
3: The opinions expressed on this cannabisradio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of cannabisradio.com. Any rebroadcast or
2: redistribution without proper consent of cannabisradio.com is prohibited.